As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Everybody, what's up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thursday, August 26th, Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley here with you guys. We've got one more weekend of NFL preseason action ahead of us and then a whole lot of fantasy drafts. Jake, we know you've got one this weekend. I've got five coming a week after this, so just getting them all lined up and ready to go. And a lot of news, a lot of news to get to on today's episode. How are you guys doing? Good. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah. I, <laughs> I always jump in first. I'm, I was waiting for you to no, for once. No, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, still have my two big drafts upcoming and looking forward to them. But yeah, we got some, uh, we got some news to talk about today. Uh, just a little bit since Monday, right? Just a <laughs> little bit, I would say. There's been some uh, injuries that we haven't gotten the chance to talk to, at least the three of us together. There's been a trade uh, that we haven't gotten to talk to, the three of us together, and all three of those things that are coming immediately to mind for me, really shaking up the RB2 ranks. And so we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look at some of the moves. We're going to take a look at the Sony Michelle trade. We're going to talk about Travis Etienne being done for the season. We're also going to take a look at some of the quarterback news that we have. Teddy Bridgewater, the starter in Denver. Jameis, looking like he's going to be the starter. Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe looking like he's going to be the starter. Mac Jones, potentially moving ahead of Cam Newton. We're going to talk about all that. We'll also finally, finally, we've talked about it a few times, get to our bounce back players for the 2021 season. Uh, guys, I just want to start right at the uh, top with what I think is the biggest news in the fantasy world. Eh, I guess you could you could say there are two stories here that are the biggest news. I'll start with the trade. We'll start with that so that we know the, the trade, the Rams trade for Sony Michelle. And it's very rare, right, you guys, where you have a trade and the player who is traded is the least interesting player for fantasy purposes. And that's what we have here with Sony Michel going to the Rams. He seemingly gums up the works for Daryl Henderson, while also seemingly freeing things up back in New England for Damian Harris. Jake, want to start with you. You've been very bullish on Daryl Henderson ever since the Cam Akers injury. Does this change at all your outlook for Daryl Henderson? Uh, slightly. And uh, heads up, I'm going to have the same answer when we get to Damien Harris, but it's slightly, <laughs> mostly because, you know, I still think 
Henderson's the lead. And I still think the same thing I thought before this is Henderson as the lead is never going to be uh, the bell cow, even a Joe Mixon, that type of stuff. So it was always going to be the 14, 16, maybe a week of 17, 18 touches for Daryl Henderson, mostly because of injuries as well. He hasn't been able to stay up in the NFL, but Mm -hmm. also his skill set is just not meant for that. And that's not a bad thing, though. I did a show. I forget who I said it to yesterday, but I said, think of Daryl Henderson, maybe as in a little fewer Camara rushing or Camara receiving and a little bit more rushing than like uh, James White or a lot more than rushing than James White. Like kind of a mix between those two is somewhere around there. But the point being around 250 touches. So he's not a 300 touch guy, but that moved him from where I looked at that backfield and said, there's nobody that deserves touches besides Henderson to now Sonny Michelle is going to take some and especially take some of those more pounding carries. So he went from RB 17 to RB 21 for me. He's fell four spots with the projections. Brandon, let me jump back in really quick on that. Jake, again, you've been really bullish on uh, Henderson. You've been drafting him a lot. I know in drafts, moving him from RB17 to RB21, does that change anything in a material way? Are you still drafting him where you've been drafting him? In a material world? Are we living in a world? We can, we can reference songs and then sing them every episode if that's what you want to do. That's two in a row. <laughs> no, I, I do not want to. That's for sure. Um, so... <laughs> Well, you know what? It, it it's more for the fact that. Hold on a second. Not I, you, remember, I gotta have to do this wonderful draft that Scott looped me into, and uh-huh. I didn't even want to take the first pick, and it already screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back. To you. We'll come back to you yeah, for a yeah. sec, Jake. You can think about if this changes anything in a a material way for you with where you are drafting Henderson, Brandon. What is this, if anything, changed for you on the LA side of things? Uh, it changes it a bit for me, but I was lower on Henderson anyways. I right. was in the uh, I was like twenty three on him. I'm I'm down to like twenty nine thirty on him now. Um, I I look at this as Sony Michelle. We've seen this story. He's Malcolm Brown now, and this is like early season last year. And if you looked at it, it was a lot of like fourteen carries for Henderson, ten for Brown, kind of a deal. Fifteen for for Henderson, you know, eight nine for Brown. Um, could steal some touchdowns. I, I just think it's you know it's. It's not a it's not a straight platoon, obviously, but I and I I agree it was probably Henderson sixty forty, but um, yeah, I I think we've seen this show and it's Sony Michelle playing the Malcolm Brown role. I think it's helpful to remember that when the Cam Akers injury first happened, we all pretty much assumed someone would eventually be joining the backfield with Sony Michelle and Jordan Rodriguez, our Rams beat reporter, uh, made the point that, you know, they're not going to do it immediately, but they're almost for sure gonna do it by the end of the summer before the season starts. So, you know, maybe we should have been a little bit, you know, let's bump Henderson up to he has the backfield alone and then knock him down a little bit, knowing someone else is going to come into this mix. Maybe we should have done that initially. We're basically being forced to do that now. Jake, are you ready to say, does this change anything for you materially? Are you still drafting Henderson basically where you were drafting him, even though he's now RB21, where he was RB17? Yeah, so for everybody out there, this is Superflex Draft. If you want to go look at Scott Angle's write-up for it, <laughs> this is what happens when you have to do these two things at once and the clock did not let me pick. That's what <laughs> happened. And for everybody out there, I wanted my pick back even though it's a mock because it went Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams the turn. Get the hell out of here. Anyway, uh, no, so what Pat said yesterday, I'm going to steal what he was saying to me when we we're talking about the same thing, is sure, Henderson – third round uh same with uh i'm trying to think who the other person was that we were talking about oh james robinson situation which we'll talk uh-huh. about as well third round 
it was kind of like, but you don't have to take them there. Jeff Ratcliffe actually said the same thing. It's like, yeah, that's where they're probably going to have to go. And if that's where you want to go, and maybe you went wide receiver, wide receiver to start, but I'd ideally want to get both in, both in the fourth round at this point. So I'm more of the fact that I haven't had a lot of them as much as you said, I love Henderson and I love James Robinson now where he is when we get to him. I just don't, I haven't got much because in the third round, I'm usually the person that started running back, running back. So by that yeah. point, I'm usually getting still a tier one wide receiver. Does this do anything for either of you with respect to Damian Harris? Are you bumping Damian Harris up in a material yes. way? Yes. <laughs> yes, but again, yes. not much. Sorry, Brandon. Is this because is, is yes, but not much material? Well, because I, I don't know. It depends on your definition of material. But I was saying not much because I was, and I'm not the only one. So I was saying I was one of. Well, I was one of the people who was already highest on Damian Harris. Actually, a lot of people, including Rick Wolf, was mocking me about how high I was on Damian Harris, and he was already RB26, just outside of the RB2 tier. And he moved up into RB23, so now he's inside of it. You could argue that's too low, but I think Stevenson just takes Michelle's job. And then J.J. Taylor is kind of a threat to James White. That's why I have zero James White this year. I think people are overlooking. But really, the the spillover went from Michelle to a little bit Damian Harris, a chunk, a decent chunk to Stevenson just replacing him, and then just a spit to J.J. Taylor. Yeah, I think you're, you're right about Stevenson. I think Stevenson's looked so good that that gave that emboldened them to make the trade and, and go ahead and give up Sony Michelle, knowing that they feel like they got a pretty good guy behind uh, Harris. Still, I, I will say I'm at 23 on Harris as well, and I, it, and part of my ranking on that is hedging a little bit with the whole Cam Newton situation. Mm-hmm. And and we've talked about this before. If Cam Newton's still the quarterback and, and has you know most of the majority of the of the starts this year, that caps Damian Harris's touchdown upside. But him being out and it being a, you know, there's not a huge appreciable gap, you know, seemingly between the two and, and, you know, him being out, if that allows Mac Jones to move ahead of him, that's that's a boon for Damian Harris. Absolutely. Definitely looks like that. And that's something we'll talk about a little bit later as well. If Mac Jones is indeed moving in front. Yeah. What's up, Jake? I was going to say, I think it's a net neutral, honestly, because I think Cam Newton just Jones and Cam. Yeah, I, for mostly the offense, basically everybody, in my opinion. Like, I think you take Cam out and put Mac in. Okay, you get more, a few more dump offs for Damian Harris, but that's not his game. And no, I'm talking about goal line. The I know, no, no, I know. That's where I was going. And then so you can get a few more rushing touchdowns that aren't stole by Cam. But on the flip side, I would say his yards per attempt and his ability to get more space, as we see with the Ravens year after year after year. If Cam's out there, I think that actually improves Damian Harris's efficiency, knocks down the touchdowns, Mackin, less efficiency, better touchdowns. And that's where I think it just kind of evens out, honestly. Well, I would just say that Belichick's done a pretty good job of running backfields, even when, with the statuesque Tom Brady. They, they have been perennially, you know, good at running the football, and they have a good offensive line. And you're right. I mean, Cam certainly would probably help spacing out a bit with that, but I still think Damian Harris is going to be a threat to have some some nice, you know, yards per carry kind of, uh, you know, numbers, even with Mac Jones in there. Sure. Let's loop the third running back into this discussion because with Travis Etienne out for the season, the shakeup in the RB2 class continues. We have Daryl Henderson there. We have Damian Harris there. And now we have James Robinson there in a big way. And maybe some people want to push him up even higher than this with Etienne done for the season. James Robinson was the RB7 last year on a 1-15 team. And some of that can be explained by Christian McCaffrey was out for the entire season. Saquon Barkley was out for the entire season. Joe Mixon missed 10 games. Austin Eckler missed half the season. But James Robinson had a hell of a year. 
in mm-hmm. 2020. And now he is back in what seems to be a similar role, if not exactly the same role he had last season. Carlos Hyde maybe mucks things um, up Ron a little Burgundy? bit more than anyone else did <laughs> for him a year ago. Uh, Brandon, what have you done with James Robinson since the news on Travis Etienne? Yeah, I moved him just up to, uh, you know, the the border of the RB1 class. I think I'm R- okay. RB13 on him. And and a lot of it's, you know, there was some attrition. Who with interesting the, the running back. you jump him ahead of? Uh, J.K. Dobbins, who, uh, you know, I love. So um, he's the one spot ahead of J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Chris Carson, uh, my guy in Seattle, he's like a couple spots ahead of him. But, yeah, I mean – you mentioned it like you would almost say, oh, it's just business as usual for James Robinson, except for, you know what? There are going to be all those other running backs back in the mix. Uh, it's going to be harder for him to get into the RB1 class for that reason. New coaching system. Also, I don't think he's a huge threat, but Carlos Hyde is a better backup than anything they had last year. Yeah. I mean, Divine Zigbo and Raquel Armstead and and, uh, you know, those guys, those stiffs. Yeah. I mean, and then there's a little bit of history. I think there's a little bit more Carlos Hyde this year than anything we saw from any of the backups last year. For all those reasons, I can't move him up into the into the RB1 class, but I'm close. you got to be one of the higher people on him. I, most of the places I've seen people putting him is, you know, the more like the RB18, 19 range. Rubbing elbows with someone else who we could be talking about, DeAndre Swift and guys like that. So I think you're higher than most. How about you, Jake? Where are you at on James Robinson now that ETN's done for the year? Yeah, I'm offended because I was one of the first people on James Robinson after Emery Hunt told me to go watch his film. Uh, kudos to Emery Hunt. Emery was the king of the first of ever on that. He, so I, admittedly, he, he made me go. That's like he, one of the ones that's like easily definable, too. I remember yes. Emery like uh, last like July or something telling us not to ignore I think James even the Robinson first time I wrote it up, I said I only I, kudos to him because I'm glad <laughs> he opened my eyes to go watching more James Robinson. But yeah. I, I, I was doing this. So I was doing another pod at the, the time the news broke. And I looked down my rankings. And I said, I feel like he's going to be RB15 for me. And then I updated my projections and that's exactly where he fell in the projections too, which is nice. kind of weird because I, I told you, like I, I have two sets of rankings. I have my projections rankings and then I have my rankings rankings, which, you know, adjust a little bit. There's some mm-hmm. decent movers, especially once you get down to the forties and fifties at wide receiver. Uh, but it comes down to, you mentioned it, it was top 10 running back last year. He's top 10 running back 70 plus percent of the field all the time. And yeah. that's my biggest thing of why he's not there is because I trust James Robinson explicitly. I do not trust Urban Meyer. (laughs) Urban (laughs) Meyer took a running back in the first round. Urban Meyer brought in Carlos Hyde. Urban Meyer, I don't think is necessarily done addressing this backfield now that this happened, whether Tavon Austin is a thing again, like because he makes him a thing. Chenault gets more run of the backfield. They bring somebody else in. I see people talking. Duke Johnson still hanging out there. Uh, And that's that's my concern. But the good thing that I did say flip side of why he's 15. But again, like I said, Ratcliffe said, you don't have to take him there. Uh, If you don't want to take him in the middle of the third round, just don't take him. Take a wide receiver. Take a top 10 wide receiver going at that pick. But the downside is that even I conservatively gave him 58% of the rushing instead of 70 and chipping it in the passing game. And that still checks him in his RB15. So I feel like there's still upside from them. But the offense and Urban Meyer do worry me. I think of anybody in that RB13 to 20 range, he has the lowest floor. Like this could go sideways really fast. Last year, I am, I am, I'm officially RB14. By the way, I, I, oh, who did you, I, what Joe, did you just do, or, or did you did you have no, it wrong no? No, I, I just looked. I had it long. I had Joe Mixon. <laughs> I have Joe Mixon at 13, okay. Robinson at 14, and so, Dobbins at 15. I'm and looking at 15? mine. So, at, Dobbins, you said I have. 
Dobbins at 15. That's what I was going to, that was going to be my guess. Looking at my rankings, who's in front of him. <laughs> I have Dobbins. And I was going to say, you probably have Dobbins behind him. Yeah. Last yeah, year, that's, that's a tough one for me. I love Dobbins. You could you could argue that either way for sure. Obviously, obviously not. Why you do you pretty much him? argue any <laughs> one player ahead or just behind any way. Last year, James Robinson had 49 catches on 60 targets for 344 yards, scored three times through the air. If they don't make a, a, a move to address this situation in terms of like a Duke Johnson, especially someone like that, and if they just go in with the backfield exactly as constructed, can he do that again? I know he did that in 14 games. Can he do that same sort of per game numbers? That what's that like three and a half catches per game on? You're talking Robinson, right? Targets per game. Yeah, I'm talking Robinson. That he can do it again. Okay, I just wanted to clear because I thought yeah. maybe you were saying if Duke Johnson did come no, in, no, could no. Duke do Duke, Duke again? <laughs> that's what I was like. I was like just to clarify. That's the thing. I don't think he. I think he can the player. I don't mm. think he can with Urban. Like that's really what it comes down to. Is that. Urban Meyer, this is go back to Chip Kelly when he came into the NFL. I just get this feeling of what's been going on this entire preseason, and he's trying to do everything potentially that just comes to mind. I almost feel like he's got 8,000 thoughts about what he wants to do in the (laughs) NFL swirling around in his brain, and he's trying to do all of them. And just like, it's just not working. I think, you know, the whole Trevor Lawrence not announcing the starter until yesterday. Like, just. Stop! It's almost like it's like he's overthinking the, the NFL. You can take the boy out of college, but you can't take college out of the boy. Right? Well, I mean, there's a, there is a, just a report that came out that he's grading on players already. You know, having the boom mic on the field, you know, announcing people to have to hustle from you know station to station and things like that. He's bringing a lot of the college experience and what he oh knows there God. into the NFL. We know that is not as a recipe for a disaster for sure. That is ridiculous. That sounds like high school basketball practice right there. Taking. <laughs> back to uh, some of those days we've got a question here from uh, kevin soderling who is watching the show on youtube thanks kevin it fits in well with what we're talking about here so basically jk dobbins for an eighth round pick or lamar or james robinson for a 12th round pick what are you guys going with i think we know where you're with the direction you're both headed in on this one i mean even if you i have dobbins in front of him but it's only by a spot so yeah these are tough though because if you think if you really want to project as a two-year deal, you know, ETN comes back next year and, and we're going to be ranking Dobbins likely ahead of Robinson. Sure. Do you, do you, you know, how much do you factor in that second year? I mean, it's hard with running backs. You're, you're probably better off to just play it year to year with running backs. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm probably going Robinson. If Robinson, sh- Robinson shows out, we don't know how ETN's coming back, but right. that will at least bank some goodwill with Urban. Yeah, got to love the four-round difference there. That's unanimous. Robinson over Dobbins on that one. One more running back who I want to talk about here is DeAndre Swift. The uh, Lions saying that he could miss week one because of the groin injury. And, you know, obviously we want everyone out there week one, but whatever. It's one week. But then you consider the fact of where he's going. The fact that this injury, groin injuries, can always be a little bit fickle. And if you're taking DeAndre Swift, you're probably passing on, you know, maybe some of the guys we've just talked about. Maybe that means you're passing on James Robinson to get DeAndre Swift. Or you're passing on Daryl Henderson, who you still like, even with Sony Michelle in L.A. to get him. Or you're passing on, I don't know, J.K. Dobbins, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, uh, guys like that. Miles Sanders could be in that group. Of course, all the receivers uh, Jake, you can take this one first. Does this and just this news about him maybe missing week one and just having this groin injury, has it changed your ranking and the way you're looking at him as you're going into drafts like the one you have on Saturday? Nope. 
because some of the other stuff before, I was already yelled at for being too low on DeAndre Swift. Uh, somebody that even posted in the comments of my rankings, I want whatever you're smoking. Like, get, get the hell out. Like, I explained why for DeAndre Swift. And honestly, if you're still considering DeAndre Swift as a top 15 running back, you're the one that's smoking something because you cannot tell me with the injuries, with Jamal Williams, with Anthony Lynn, with this offense in general, with Jared Goff not throwing to running backs that much, that he deserves to be in the top 15 ever. Yeah, you know, I I had him at 20 and I was probably already too low. I moved him down to 21, so I've dropped him a spot. Um, but yeah, for smoking? all those yeah, for all those reasons, Jake, that you just said, um yeah, I, I think you have to factor that in. But I'll just tell you, I won't have DeAndre Swift this year. I just generally stay away from uh, teams that I think are going to be truly inept. Like, I'm, I'm not going to have Texans. I, I, I guess I grabbed, drafted Brandon Cooks in, in the Flex League. But, like, I'm <laughs> typically not going to have those guys on those uh -huh. teams, especially if the market wants to, you know, push them higher than I think right. he should go. So, yeah. Does it do any – are you guys going after Jamal Williams in any significant way? Yeah, I, I like him for for his value. I mean, what, what's his ADP right now? It's in the it's in the forties. I it's think in the forties at the position. Yeah, it's uh, yeah forty two. Gus Edwards, Tony Pollard, Latavius Murray, guys like that. And I think he could be a back end RB three, like in that you know mid thirties range. So value's there. I don't mind you know throwing a bench guy down there that could actually have more upside. So yeah. And I know you like him too, Jake. You, you had him on, you had him on your sleepers I'm basically list. everywhere. So, yeah, we've yeah. covered that a million times, yeah. yeah. One more big piece of concrete news that we got this week. Teddy Bridgewater will be the starter for the Denver Broncos. Come on, let me get that lower third up there. Anything, guys? Anything with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams? Does this change at all the way you look at the skill players in Denver? Jake, what do you got on this one? Yeah, uh, this is another net neutral for me. Is Drew Locke was going to be kind of similar to James Winston, more aggressiveness, potentially more turnover, uh -huh. some poor decisions. Uh, so I would say Cortland Sutton slight downtick, and then Jerry Judy slight uptick because Jerry fits more for getting that ball out quicker, being the safer pass is the shorter game than Locke, Locke does. But Locke again, if you're not getting the big plays. Fewer yards, possibly fewer touchdowns, because Teddy had a good season with Carolina, but the touchdowns yeah. weren't there. People seem to forget that he wasn't throwing a lot of touchdowns yeah. to those guys, and that was with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel. So, and with again, and with Christian McCaffrey out for thirteen games, not taking exactly. away the usual share he did. Yeah, so yeah. it's slight, like I said, slight uptick for Judy, slight downtick for Cortland Sutton. But Cortland Sutton was probably already going. to – Well, he was. He was already going to fall in my rankings too, because I know we're assuming week one, but. We're, we're going to get to week one and not have seen Cortland Sutton at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think just, just my overall thought on the Broncos is they're lined up to be a, a very low volume passing team. Uh, yeah. You know, they have, a, they have a really good defense, a double, double, you know, double barrel backfield and mm -hmm. a game man, a, a really a game manager at quarterback, a guy that's not going to make the mistakes that Drew Locke does. So um, that's my only, you know, that's my downside on that. But, you know, it's, if it's Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy mostly, I, I think that's a pretty narrow tree. I know we we like K.J. Hamler and Noah, Noah Fant, but he's got the injury. And K.J. Hamler might be a guy that just ends up getting squeezed. Yeah, K.J. Hamler has the feeling of 
a handful of big plays, a nice, useful, real-life piece for the Broncos, but someone who maybe doesn't have enough juice in this offense, just doesn't have enough juice to make him a consistent fantasy option. Maybe something along the lines of what we've seen from McCole Hardman in his first I was uh, just going to say years. that. Right? Right? Could, could have the McCole Hardman sort of role over his first two years in Kansas City. We've got a question here from viewer T. Hamilton. T, thanks for uh, joining us here on YouTube while we're talking about Noah Fant, a keeper in the eighth round without having any other information that feels a little bit heavy to me. You guys on that same page. <laughs> <laughs> Did you expense that to the athletic? <laughs> I, I should have. I got a unicorn one too. Wasn't there unicorn poop? That's the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I mean, right now in a twelve keeper, stuff. <laughs> that's the good stuff. It's just I was kind of all Fant in general, whether it was Teddy or Locke, because if Sutton is back. This is a run-heavy offense, and in run-heavy offenses, I don't want the third option unless you're a top-end offense, and they're not a top-end offense, whether it was going to be Locke or Bridgewater. So I didn't want the third option, and if the third option... And I say that to even say this. If Fant was outplaying Jerry Judy, and Jerry Judy looked like he was going to be the third option, I'd just be like, forget it. I'll just draft somebody with more upside like Hardman, the third option, in a much better offense. So that's what it comes down to Fant. I don't, I don't have any Fant, and I don't really want him any fan <laughs> yeah i'm just not even thinking that i mean I, I think i've been in 12 teamers where he doesn't even go in the eighth round right now so yeah. um so why keep him at what is like at value or worse I, yeah i don't think you can keep him moving on from some of the concrete news to some of the more speculative things in a second here looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods bring you guys back for more and let's talk about some of the more speculative things that we're looking at in the quarterback area of the fantasy football world so Jameis you guys he won the job right uh, Sean Payton's not saying it but he won the job he's the starter I think we can all assume that yes and it, if we are assuming that are we changing the way we're looking at any of these Saints Marquez Callaway with that big game on Monday Night Football uh Jake you've been on Jameis all summer long what do you say here yeah, thank you. I was going to say, he's been quarterback 19. <laughs> he's still quarterback 19. He's going to remain quarterback 19 because this was never a competition, in my opinion. This is the stupidest thing I ever saw. This is like, not quite Trevor Lawrence is in an open competition, but just just a smidge under it. Uh, the Marquez Callaway thing, like I'm taking a flyer on him towards the end, but I just saw him go in the ninth round of draft. I'm not doing that because I keep asking this question to everybody else. 
Can we definitively say he is the one and Traquan Smith isn't just because Traquan hasn't been on the field? I don't think we can. I think we can assume that it looks like it. And from a talent perspective, he is somebody that's, uh, you know what? He's basically like a lesser version of Jamar Chase. Gets behind well, but will struggle with tough corners, contested catches and stuff like that. So you want that speed. You want James to be able to hit him downfield. And that's what we've been seeing. But if Traquan's out there, Traquan is kind of the more complete wide receiver despite the fact that it looks like Callaway is better and I'm saying as of today I would take Callaway over Smith but I've also been taking Callaway in the 11th and Smith in like the 14th because nobody's drafting Smith anymore if Smith's on the field they are the one and two and it could be to your point you hate when we do the 1A 1B because you don't love that but it's they're one and two I think it's interchangeable and Mm -hmm. yeah I I think it's just it's a tick up instead of Taysom Hill being a quarterback obviously and now especially because it looks like the tight ends are going to be worthless as well so it's going to be Camaro and two wide receivers boom so easy for us (laughs) yeah I mean you know it's nice that a guy gets helium and then you know because Callaway was being talked about a lot and then he goes out and he shows out in the preseason game and you get to see it on the field so that that gives you a little bit of confidence in him but you know again we're talking about Michael Thomas being back what six weeks seven weeks into the season Uh, eight weeks it's the second half either way I I don't know if he comes back this year period you don't think so? I well, I keep that- saying this. I you tell me, tell me this. I'll ask you another question. You don't get the sense from Michael Thomas or these past two years that we could get to week nine, and he's like, "Screw it, I'm not coming back." Oh, I think I totally get that sense. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a sense, but you know, you, you got to get paid as well. Um, okay, so that's we're sidetracked there on on that. So. <laughs> If Thomas sits out all year, I, I think right now I am willing to bet on Callaway over Traquan Smith just because I just don't like the past that we've had with Traquan Smith when he's had opportunities. He hasn't really shown up. So I, I'd rather bet on the guy that hasn't burned me before. Um, but I, it, back to the quarterback thing, I mean, Taysom Hill is clunky, and you can see it. I, I know I talked to Larry Holder, clunky. covers the Saints for the Athletic, and he said that Taysom Hill can yes he struggles with the basic mechanics of turning his body and throwing a, a screen pass you know and things like that so I think it's all sub it's sub Zoolander reference Jake <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be sub package Taysom and maybe it'll be uh-huh. when Jameis Winston just has a completely boneheaded play mm, they'll be like so oh. Uh, yep, and then here we go. <laughs> Taysom Hill comes in, so Jameis Winston can think about things for a little bit and get himself corrected. But yeah, I think it's Jameis Winston's job. Were either of you guys? I can't remember off the top of my head, like a, a little bearish and relative to where he goes on Alvin Kamara because of the because of what this offense might be or might not be, as the case may be. And does this change at all your outlook on Alvin Kamara, knowing or ninety nine percent knowing that Jameis is going to be the starter? No, he was it- fourth for me. And continue. That's that's another one that wasn't changing for me. Because again, net neutral is like okay, maybe he doesn't get as much in one area, but it's it was more of the rushing touchdown concern, and that was just the offense of the Saints as a whole. In the fact of like that's why he's four, not new, not two, and ahead of like he was last year. So that's all it came down to. So I was already I'm set with that, and I'm good with that. Um, By the way, before you go, real quick, Brandon, just uh, for argument's sake for everybody all know you go brandon and i'll come back i, I have a nugget for you guys because it's stuff we're talking about today so you go brandon Ooh, and i'll come I back like it. well yeah so i've always said that it'll be a mandate that they throw to alvin Kamara. i was actually watching Best winston yeah and and you know he threw a couple to jones uh, tony jones is that right uh the backup yes. one of the backups the new, the new backup 
<laughs> yeah, he had a couple dump offs and he looked good. And I think just the fact that Jameis Winston in the past hasn't thrown to running backs is not because he's not comfortable doing it. It's because he's kind of like the, you know, the poor version of Pat Mahomes where he just thinks he can make bigger plays downfield. But if you have a coach telling him this is where our bread's going to be buttered, you need to do this. <laughs> I have I, I, at least knowing that if he has to do that, I think he can deliver the ball, you know, accurately and, and do it well. So I'm not too worried. I'd be worried if it was Taysom Hill because the numbers were clear when Kamara was was out there with him that they weren't good yeah i agree so for your little nugget for you guys since we're talking about him today this the athletic mock that we're doing james robinson to me 21st running back damian harris to me running back 28 i think those are too low Ooh. for both of them both of them too low 28 yeah I, I think they're, I agree with you. They're both too low. I could argue. I could see how someone would argue Robinson down to 21. Harris at 28 feels kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Wait, you um, just got that in the, in the mock draft? Yeah, we're, this, we're the Superflex mock that we'll see up on the site soon. Yeah, that's see what I See it up on get. the site soon. Jake, you should you should uh, propose right now like a $500 buy-in and play it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, and that's with sandwiching Burrow and Tua as my quarterbacks at the 3-4 turn. And that Adams uh, and Zeke were my first two picks. I am winning this mock draft, hands oh, down. Uh, no question crushing, about it. Crushing. <laughs> crushing it. The mock draft. Uh, someone who's been going very high in draft so far this summer has been Trey Lance and something that I think all three of us have warned against in a certain way, but I don't know. It seems like Jimmy G just might be holding on to that gig, at least at the start of the season. we got a great story up on the site from Matt Barrows. If you want to see that, if you want to see the mock draft Jake's talking about and you're not a subscriber, theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod will get you 33% off your first year. So check that out. Matt's got a story. Matt covers the 49ers for us, and he's got a story up on the site right now that says while Kyle Shanahan isn't saying anything, while Jimmy Garoppolo isn't saying anything, they're both sort of dropping hints that it is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo out there to start the season as the starter. Same question as I've asked you guys on all these quarterbacks. Does it change anything for you with respect to the other 49ers players? Brandon, why don't you go first on this one? I'm sure Jake will say the same thing. I think we've been ranking the other 49ers players as if Garoppolo is going to be the starter for a while. I mean, yeah. they, you know, I've said this before. He's taken them to the Super Bowl. They're not going to put Lance out there if they're going to take a step back. They can be a successful playoff team this year and if they don't feel that Trey Lance comes in and gives them a step forward I don't think that we're gonna see uh, you know Garoppolo out uh, Mm -hmm. for a while so yeah I mean this could be a Pat Mahomes season for Trey Lance could be a Jalen Hurts you know thing or where things go off the rail or Lamar Jackson where I mean you look at all these guys they they didn't play in the first half of the season for the most part and didn't you know got their run down the stretch so I, I expect that to happen Garoppolo is going to you know if Garoppolo goes off the rails I mean that that could that could change things quickly but I think he is serviceable with the, with the team around him I don't expect him to go off the rails yeah, Jake, let me jump in. You can you can uh, say that you haven't been ranking them that way, although I think you're, that Brandon's right that you have been ranking them that way as though Jimmy is starting. So you have a draft on Saturday. As you said, we all have multiple drafts coming up. What is Trey Lance's tra- draft day value for you with Jimmy G almost certainly looking like the starter here? Uh, for me, it's I don't get him anywhere because people keep taking him as a QB1. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it was recently I've seen him go as high as 9 and 10 at quarterback and low. I, I don't remember, honestly, the last time he wasn't a QB1, like the last QB1, mm-hmm. a QB12. I don't remember. I do remember a month ago when he was like QB16, 17, and at that point, sure. But I don't remember at this point. And I'm looking at the schedule, 
And initially, I had Garoppolo start. Actually, I still do as of today. If you're downloading the projections and you want to customize and play with them, as of today, I have him starting four games, Garoppolo. So that takes him okay. through Seattle at home. The next game is at Arizona on the road. But maybe I should look more like check the schedule because week six is the bye and then home to Indianapolis. So that doesn't even mm-hmm. necessarily make a whole lot of NFL sense from what we've seen. So I've been yeah, I've been going that way the entire way. This is what I say about Trey Lance. If you want to do it, it's the same way as basically drafting a high-end backup running back. Do you want to sit on him for potentially eight weeks? Like, what if it's half the season? Isn't it? Are, isn't it potentially the whole season? Oh, oh of course. But I'm telling you, like, <laughs> a, a reasonable, like, like let's cut the difference. Like, would, we don't think, would, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, we don't think yeah. it's week two. We don't mm. think it should like it likely won't be the entire season unless they're in contention and Garoppolo is just playing serviceable. Yeah. As Brandon mentioned, that's the th- I brought up the same point. They went to the Super Bowl. We've had Trent Dilfer win Super Bowls. You can they, do it with they, mediocre they, quarterbacks. They, they should have won the Super Bowl. That is true. So, you know, I look at that and I say I don't expect Lance to be thrown in there unless Garoppolo looks awful which isn't out of the question but he's been very serviceable so again it comes down to you and for me to draft the quarterback that's going to sit on my bench for weeks at a time and what i have to invest to take said player i I just i have zero trey lance and i won't have trey lance you know it's funny um i think from what i've seen so far cd lamb and trey lance are the two guys that you could take first overall in your draft, and most of the draft room would be like, "Ooh, nice pick! Oh, I like that." You know, it's like no one wants to be out on these guys this year. Yeah. I think there's a, there's this feeling of inevitability that they're going to be great, you know, at some point, uh-huh. and no one wants to be the guy that's poo pooing it. So yeah, I work that I work poo pooing into the podcast a lot. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's you know it's eight thirty in the morning where you are. You make some, you, and you're yeah. drinking coffee. That makes that makes <laughs> some sense for sure. Uh, definitely some. There's some. There's some 2017 cheese vibes to this team if anyone's got the 2017 Chiefs vibes of contending team with a clear quarterback in the future but a good enough quarterback right now it certainly is the San Francisco 49ers one more quarterback situation I want to get to really quick we referenced it a little earlier Mac Jones I mean I don't know momentum seems to be building this is partially anecdotal partially the fact that Cam has missed so much of the summer but momentum seems to be building toward Mac Jones being the starter in New England gonna put it to you again guys does that change anything for you? Does it change anything for Jacoby Myers? Does it change anything for any of those other receivers if Mac Jones indeed is the starter for this team week one rather than Cam Newton? Jake, take it away. Mm, barely. Uh, look, I know Mac Jones looks great, and but this is the Mac Jones who we expected is the supremely accurate, keeps things mm-hmm. rolling, but also doesn't really have that aggressiveness. But at the same time, even if he did... The reason where I say not much is because their wires, their skill, basically their receivers aren't really built for like the Saints anyway. You know, it's a lot of underneath, get open over the middle, exploit zone type of wide receivers, especially with Nikhil Harry not becoming what anybody thought he could potentially be and be that all around outside wide receiver. So you have a bunch of guys similar styles with the tight ends, assuming Jono is ready to roll. Hunter Henry sounds like he's going to miss a couple of weeks, but it's very accurate. And so that's good. But of course, you know, whether that you go by a yard, air yards or a dot or whatever it might be, that's the offset is you're going to lose some of the aggressiveness. But, you know, I think it's a little bit of a tick up just because Cam doesn't throw that much in general. So you you're not going to have Cam running for 50 yards a game. It's all going to be on Mac Jones arm. So it's a slight tick up, but it's not a huge boost. The only receiver I was drafting, the only receiver I'm still drafting is the much underrated unheralded Jacoby Myers. 
Yeah, it's all Jacoby, whether whoever the quarterback is, I think he's going to lead this team. And I, I'd be okay taking Jonu as well. I'm not really going to invest in any other of the receiving properties, no matter who the quarterback is. But I will say, I, this Mac Jones stuff, I think, is real because Bill Belichick, I, you know, I think New England went and said that this was a surprise. But if you think about it, when is Bill Belichick ever surprised by anything? He's one of the most prepared head coaches <laughs> in the league. And I think if the threat of Cam having to take five days off at in the season as well, like is maybe something Bill Belichick's projecting ahead saying that's not a headache that I'm willing to take uh, on, especially at, yeah. yeah, especially when I said earlier, he may not see there being much of a disparity in talent between the two mm-hmm. or that the team is going to be, you know, drastically worse or, or better with us, whoever the quarterback is. So to me, I think it just, it, it might've solidified Mac Jones as being our week one starter. Hey, you know he had a great scouting report from his uh, pe- uh, buddy Nick Saban coming into the draft on Mac Jones. And who would have thought, right, that we would be going into um, week one potentially? We knew Trevor Lawrence was going to start. We knew Zach Wilson was going to start. Then there's Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. And I don't know if everyone would have assumed that Mac Jones would be the third starting quarterback in the group of first-round rookies. But that does indeed to be where we are heading. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, you guys, we have been talking for seemingly forever now about getting to some bounce back players. This is the episode. We are doing it in this episode. Let's uh, let's roll through. I've got quarterbacks, running backs and receivers for all three of us, you know, tight ends, whatever. It's hard to bounce back (laughs) in a position that I don't know, doesn't matter all that much or feature too many big time guys who then fall off and could bounce back. Tyler Higby is really like the only literal bounce back case you can make this season. Let's start at the quarterback position. Uh, you guys both gave me a few, so I just picked the one that I thought was more interesting. So I didn't tell you either. So you're just going to have to do these arguments on the fly. Jake, your bounce back quarterback, Daniel Jones, make the case for us. It's, 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 it's getting dicier by the day. Just every report <laughs> from camp is the offensive line, Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay still not on the field. Nobody's getting right over there. It looks like it's going to be a you-know-what show for the entire season. <laughs> but the the real reason for Daniel Jones is still, he's not even being drafted as a top 20 quarterback, even in Superflex. Mm-hmm. I took him as my third quarterback in a Superflex a week ago, and he was QB 27, and that was just absurd to me. Uh, but I understand it, but the upside of why he could bounce back is why were people taking him as a fringe QB1 last year? And he was. Go back, look at ADP. He's like yeah. QB 13, 14 off the board because of the rushing upside, and if he was just the passer he was as a rookie – 
the rushing upside puts him in that conversation. And that's that's something I kept bringing up about Jalen Hurts. And Brandon is nodding his head because maybe he knows where I'm going with this because he edited the article. But I said, if you take <laughs> if you take Daniel Jones, not 2019 numbers, if you take his God awful 2020 numbers and give those passing numbers to Jalen Hurts with 800 rushing yards, he is a QB one. So Daniel Jones rushing for 500 and has a mid-level, and I'm talking mid-levels in 3,600 yards and 20 touchdowns with 500 and whatever the touchdowns might be, four or five right there, he's going to be knocking on the QB1 door as much as we hate to admit it. That's just what fantasy does. Yeah, do you want, yeah I have nothing to say on that. It's, it's true. I mean, um, it's true. And it, it's true. <laughs> It's got some. It's got some rushing upside. They they've bolstered the environment around him. Um, you know the big question is that offensive line. But other than that, mm-hmm. you know Saquon Bar- Barkley stays healthy. Kennedy Kenny Galladay stays healthy. They got all the weapons for Daniel Jones to to put up the numbers in the passing game that you're talking about at a floor. I think. I mean, I, I you know I think there's upside for a lot more. So yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. There definitely is there. And we could just roll right through. That's my bad. I can set us all up. Brandon, your bounce back quarterback has already bounced back in a way in this yeah. summer. It's Carson Wentz. Make the case. Yeah, that's right. He might actually be starting in week one. Uh, and yeah. I think you just go back to the case. He doesn't got the rushing upside of Daniel Jones, but we've seen him be an MVP candidate before. He's back with coach and Frank Reich where he was, you know, he had his best moments as a pro and you're in a such a better environment than Philadelphia was last year. The offensive line was in shambles. They literally had nobody at receiver. Sorry, Jake, as much as I like Travis Fulgham, uh, you know, did I say that right? Fulgham? Yes. Fulgham. You did. Okay. Okay, thanks. I I thought I always had it right, but I just had to double check. Yeah, I mean, things just went off the rails so bad there. I mean, you're going to have a much better offensive line. You're going to have a you're going to have a better receiving core, although I don't think it's like the greatest receiving core. It's it's better than it was in Philadelphia and, you know, better in the backfield, just better nurturing environment all around. So now that he's back coming back for week one, we'll see. Um, I think we can expect a much better Carson Wentz than what we saw last year. Definitely like that environment around him better. And that's the same reason why I find my bounce back quarterback in Sam Darnold. I will say the guy who's been at who's at the top of my list and Jake had him also was Tua, but we've made the Tua case time and time and time again. So I wanted to give you something a little bit different. Everybody (laughs) loves Tua, right? Everyone can make that case. I'll make the case for Sam Darnold. Basically everything around him for his entire career in New York was terrible. So even if even if we say that Sam Darnold is a below league average quarterback, he dealt with arguably, pretty easily arguably, the worst circumstances a quarterback could have had over these last three seasons. So he goes to Carolina. He has, I would say, an offensive line upgrade, maybe not a significant one from the one he dealt with. And actually, interestingly enough, if he were still in New York, he would have a better offensive line probably with the Jets than what he has with (laughs) Carolina. But an upgrade there and a massive, massive upgrade in the weapons around him. Now he's got DJ Moore. He gets to draw a team back up with Robbie Anderson. He has Christian McCaffrey, who's going to boost uh, that bottom line a little bit by doing what he does in the receiving game. Just a huge, huge upgrade in what he has uh, available to him as weapons. So for that reason, and that reason mainly, I am comfortable on Sam Darnold as a QB2 in Superflex Leagues. I would not, he might not be my ideal starting QB2 in Superflex Leagues, but if the draft works out or an auction works out in such a way where Sam Darnold is my QB2 and I've been able to load up on other positions and I have a solid QB1, I feel pretty good about that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we were talking about Sam Darnold because of those weapons as a top 20, top 18 quarterback this season. Jake, feels like you're doubting me in a big, big way down there. That's unicorn poop. It's still poop. 
It's still that's poop. the good stuff. That's no, the good that's, stuff. I'll take it. It just it looks better, but it's still poop underneath. That's the truth. Is. That's uh, the, the Sam Darnold in Carolina looks better, but still poop underneath. Yeah, because you know. But I will say, look, if anybody's going to get it fixed, it'll be Rule and Brady. Uh, yep. And if Rule and Brady do fix them, I've jokingly said that before. Just slap them both into the Hall of Fame right now, uh, because it's how Sam Darnold looked. My biggest concern is this: I, I don't disagree with you. I think the first time we did sleepers because I wanted to go super deep, uh, I was Sam Darnold, like the sleep because we just updated our sleepers for everybody out there that yep. doesn't know what i mean check it out um yeah so it really comes down to like there is the weapons there there's the offense there there is plenty of opportunities for him to be better but at the same time i still am so baffled by the fact that the panthers the giants and the lions are not playing their quarterbacks this preseason with everything we hear with this team yes. with being <laughs> with new team the Daniel jones is the only one on the same team but has a whole new west cast of weapons around him that he didn't have last year i just i don't get what these teams are doing and i haven't seen sam darnold i see the reasons to be positive but i just i've seen too much of sam darnold to honestly think that much is going to get better yeah, I, I totally understand that. I totally understand why that would be the case. But uh, I'm just I'm buying in with the coaching staff upgrade, with the offensive line upgrade from what he had last year, from with the uh, weapons upgrade in a major, major way. I feel like he can do it. And if we're all you buying crown him, Christian crown McCaffrey him. as the yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> do want to crown him. If, you, if we're all buying Christian McCaffrey as unquestionably the number one pick, DJ Moore as a top 15, 16 wide receiver, Robbie Anderson as a top 25 ish wide receiver. I don't know. I want to follow that and leads me to Sam Darnold as someone who could be a top 20 quarterback. Let's move on to the running back position here. Jake, last week when we initially sketched this out, I had Damian Harris as your bounce back running back, but we've talked a bit about him. So how about you make the case <laughs> for Zach for Moss instead? <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, uh, honestly, and I don't love the Zach Moss call anymore anyway, because he hasn't looked that good in Singletary's showing off. Uh, not that I, I would pick Singletary either. It's just more for the fact that it was the reason he wasn't even bounced back in, in that article is because people went bananas over his PFF broken tackles and overrated the living hell out of that <laughs> and haven't learned. And that's what it's like. But the reason you like Zach Moss is the potential he could lead that backfield. And even with the fact that we, you know, we, we know you're going to lose some touchdowns with Josh Allen, just like Cam Newton, especially in Cam Newton's heyday. Um, yeah. But you know, now at this point, and I'm looking at it, I'm saying, you know, if I got 60% of the backfield with Zach Moss, I might be interested, but if it's going to be a split as it was last year, I'm off. So it really comes down to that's why he was a bounce back because he's essentially super cheap now, but now it's not looking as good as it was two weeks ago. For sure. So I just, sure. I just poo pooed my own pick. So there you go. <laughs> no, I didn't poo poo on my own pick, <laughs> which is very important and a great distinction to make here. Uh, Brandon, I'm, I'm mocking you a little bit. I'm, you're going to see it come up here. Brandon's got uh, a real out on the limb bounce back RB selection. It's Ezekiel Elliott. So, yeah. Uh, well, so here, case, here, I suppose. here's just something I just was going to, I've bitten my tongue here to this point so far, but this is a point of order that I need to bring up. We're talking about bounce back players. We're not talking about breakout players. So yeah, sure. like someone like Sam Darnold, what's he bouncing back from? He's never been good. <laughs> That's Are fair. you going That's back fair. to USC? Uh, you know, and Mike, da yes, pick up Damian Harris and Zach Moss. You going back Come to on, Utah, Brandon, pick Alabama? The mic up, take it off the stand and drop it. <laughs> Yes. Point. So point. my, my choices at running back point. are like Ezekiel Elliott or like Mark Ingram or the guy that you're going to talk about, James Conner. I think those are all fair because they've actually been good before. Mm -hmm. They weren't derailed by injury so much last year. They just weren't 
that great. So I, I think Ezekiel Elliott, we all know that. He's up to number three for some, including myself overall. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you look at him as a pre-DAC injury lens, uh, and he's in great shape. Watch Hard Knocks last night. Still feeling good about the way he looks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, on Ezekiel for a huge bounce back. But that's why I kind of narrowed my my field of choices for that reason. Yeah, damn it. That's a – I hate I hate losing <laughs> on, on semantics, and it's a, good, it's a good point. It's a good point. I am liking James Conner as a bounce back, a case that I've made more than once on this show. I just think he's the guy to have. I think he's the running back that you want in Arizona. Injury stands in his way. Injury is really the only thing that's ever stood in his way. Chase Edmonds has never been granted a role as a primary running back in Arizona. And I just really feel like if it was going to happen for him, it would have happened by now. And they wouldn't always be trying to pair him with someone. They wouldn't always be trying to pair him with Kenyon Drake before this or, you know, Benjamin or uh, going out and getting James Conner. So I think James Conner is the guy you want. We've seen it from James Conner. We believe in this offensive environment in in Arizona. He's not going to own the backfield the way that he did in Pittsburgh, but he can be the primary guy in Arizona. And if he is getting 55% of the running back touches out of that backfield, I feel pretty good about him and where he is going by ADP. Let's take a look over at our wide receivers. Jake, you had a lot of options here. I gave you Henry Ruggs. So make the Henry yes. Ruggs case yeah. for us here. I know that you like this one. I, I do, and I like him more than the one I compared him to is Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager is getting competition yeah. from, well, yeah. Quez. It, Watkins is not going to overtake him. Quez is still the third, but Watkins mm-hmm. is starting in the slot where I wanted to see Rager be able to play more this year. Now, maybe if they're too wide, they kind of put him more inline slot type of situation. Mm-hmm. That's potential. But, to, yeah, to stick with Henry Ruggs, it's not just the fact that it's the similarities is that forced to play outside when Edwards got hurt. Uh, he is more of the Tyreek Hill type of wide receiver. I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill, uh, but that's mm-hmm. the role he should be playing more of that slot, more of that downfield, more of those seam routes, stuff like that. And you saw flashes of it, but you also saw that Derek Carr wasn't on the same page a lot of times. Some missed throws just like Darnell Mooney last year from his quarterback play. And that's happens with no offseason. And now Brian Edwards and reports on rugs both are all glowing this entire time. So much so that John Brown being brought in is just an afterthought. It might actually be cut by this team. I still think he ends up there as a veteran presence, but he's third. He's now third, like officially third on that depth chart. They're saying if potentially not lower. Um, So now you get rugs as a one slash two with Edwards and kind of playing that role where he's going to get opened up because you know where he also plays similar to the Kelsey and Hill situation where Waller is going to be doing a ton of damage. And if the defense is paying attention to Waller, Ruggs is going to be making some big plays this year. Yeah. You know, I was like that. uh, I was just saying, was talking to Vinny Bonsignor, a former colleague of ours um, about the Raiders the other day and, and was asking, you know, who is, who's the guy that you would lean or bet on between Edwards and Ruggs. And he's like, Gruden's hearing all this stuff about how high they took rugs, you know, that they took him ahead of Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, who happen to be very buzzy right now. And, and, uh, you know, so he was saying the same thing. It's going to be rugs. Yeah. Prove him wrong. When is, they, when is hubris ever anyone wrong, right? When is, <laughs> yeah. when is hubris ever led someone down the wrong path? Gotta love that. <laughs> uh, Brandon, the, hu- find- the hubris is thick with that one as well. So, <laughs> With John Gruden, hubris? Get the hell out of here. Uh, we find your bounce back wide receiver in the same division. Make the Mike Williams bounce back case for us, please. 
Yeah, I'm just going to stick with it. You know, it's originally when they come out and Joe Lombardi saying he's going to run the Michael Thomas role and have a bigger uh, role than just kind of being the one trick pony. We've seen him be a thousand yard receiver. We've, see, we've seen him be a 10 touchdown scorer. What we haven't seen is him catch 50 or more balls. And so I think if he can, I mean, he has the, the skills to to be a big playmaker, but he, you know if they think he has the skills to actually have more of a route tree and stuff than that, I think we could see him get into the sixty catch range. You know, and and if he pushes those previous totals, I think we're going to see we'll see a much better Mike Williams than what we saw last year. It remains a potentially incredibly narrow usage tree for the Chargers. We know Eckler's yeah. getting his, we know Keenan Allen's getting his, and then behind those two, Mike Williams could step up. Jared Cook could step up, Jalen Guyton, Donald Parham. Like, there are a lot of guys who could fill a third option spot in L.A., and Mike Williams would be the highest ceiling, certainly, of those guys. You have to believe that if the Chargers could pick any one of those guys to be their third option, they want it to be Mike Williams. My bounce-back receiver is also a Williams. He's a guy uh, who, once upon a time, was in this division, but he is not anymore, and it's a Tyrell Williams Guys, someone's going to catch 60-plus passes in Detroit, right? I mean, someone has to. Someone has to. And we know TJ Hawkinson's going to be the leading pass catcher there, but I've got to believe that one of those receivers is giving you a 60-catch season as well. Jake brought this piece of information to the show a couple of weeks ago in talking with Chris Burke, our Lions beat writer. He does expect Tyrell Williams to be the number one receiver. On this team, not the number one pass catcher. We expect that to be TJ Hawkinson, but expecting Tyrell Williams to lead the receiving group in yeah, everything, yards, targets, receptions, all of that. And Tyrell Williams, he didn't play last year, but you go back to 2016 through 2019, four straight seasons with floors of 41 catches, 650 yards, and four touchdowns. And with where he is being drafted, I absolutely can work with that. Tyrell Williams right now, uh, a wide receiver ADP that barely registers. That barely registers. He's going undrafted in a whole lot of leagues, and I understand why, but I'm willing to take a shot on him as the number one receiver on this team and someone who can bounce back to those, you know, 45, 700, five sorts of numbers in a pretty easy fashion this season. Why are you laughing at me, Jake? What's up? I'm not laughing. I'm laughing because, yeah, I actually had Chris Burke go through my rankings and projections, and he said that this was a month ago, and he said that I initially had Perriman just over Tyrell, and he brought up the case and said Tyrell, he has the feeling is going to be the number one with Anthony Lynn, but... I'm laughing because I do have a lot of Tyrell Williams, and I was chuckling because what was the news yesterday? Tyrell Williams is already hurt. That's that's <laughs> why I was chuckling. That's why is because yeah, yeah. I, I think if healthy, sure, but he's already missing practice again, and the season hasn't even started. <laughs> hey, before this though, sixteen, 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 and fourteen games played in twenty sixteen through twenty nineteen. I know, I know, but it's <laughs> it's it's once it happened, it just it was. It, mm. You know what Tyrell Williams is? He's like a broke iPhone screen. Like you can't, no matter what you do, it's, it's broken now. It just, it's only going to get worse. You can't make it get better. <laughs> Time to get a uh, new well, phone. <laughs> hey, you know what? I am buying that Tyrell Williams gets better and gives you a useful season as your wide receiver seven that you draft. I mean, that's really where he's going in draft. So I like to take a shot on someone who has nothing but opportunity in front of him in Detroit. Hopefully you're finding nothing but opportunity when you tune in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode. Again, theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod will get you 33% off your first year of a subscription to The Athletic. Definitely check that out. This show returns tomorrow. 
the first episode on Friday. That is me, Zach Jackson, who covers the Browns, Vic Tafer, who covers the Raiders. We are doing a gambling episode every single Friday. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking our favorite player props awards, over-unders on yardage totals, uh, yardage leaders, touchdown leaders. We're going to be talking about all that in tomorrow's episode. Me, Jake, and Brandon, this trio, we are back with you on Monday when I imagine we'll be talking about a whole lot of what we saw over the weekend. Until then, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you did that. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you all soon.